Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So, let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey folks, Eric's back here with another episode of Leadership is Tricky. Um, for those that celebrate it, happy Easter out there. For those that don't, uh, just another happy COVID-19 day, right? Um, so today I do have um, a buddy of mine from Harvard. Uh, we're both uh, senior executive fellows coming out of that program. We hit it off uh, well. Uh, we had a great time and he's coming to us from um, Dubai. So uh, Tadik, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, Eric, for this introduction. Hey, no problem. And uh, so your last name is El Morat, Tariq El Morat. Um, so yes. you're out there in Dubai. I saw online that you were doing some uh, some desert uh, skiing this morning. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yesterday. But I put that it is from the history because we need to be locked down. And I was locked down between the sand dunes. Yeah, not too bad, though, but you're out there uh, practicing social distancing out in the desert. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so, um, yeah, thank you for coming on with me. Uh, Steven, uh, my co-host, couldn't be here today. He's doing Easter egg hunting with his uh, with his daughter. So, um, And plus, I think I sent him the invite a little bit too late. But here we are, just you and I, Tariq. Um So why don't yeah. you tell uh, tell everyone who, who you are and, uh, yeah, just a little bit about yourself. Yes. Thank you for this, uh, Eric, and happy Easter for all of those who are celebrating Easter. And uh, uh, it is a good uh, timing to have this uh, interview or this episode on Easter Day. Uh, but it is so unfortunate that we are in this pandemic. We never thought that we would be living in such situation. And we are the ones who experience this. So I am, uh, as you said, Tarek and Murad, and I am of Lebanese origin. And uh, I uh, started my career in education in uh, United Arab Emirates, in uh, uh, the American University of Sharjah, where I used to work directly with the leadership, with the chancellor. So what's special about my career that it is for 21 years i've been working exactly with the top of the organization or the institution that i worked with and being in that role it was so sensitive for me to send the right information the right data and to inform decision making uh, most of the times or some of the times uh, not everything that you say is taken or not all the advices are uh, approved or taken into consideration. But uh, what we have to do, being very close to leadership uh, or leaders' decision-making uh, facilitators, we have to be ready. And every leader has to choose the right information and to validate the information and to make informed decision. And uh, also in this area now, we, we see that uh, I worked many times on business impact analysis, and I never thought that we will we'll be in a situation that will use that. Like what will impact the business? What if we cannot go to the office? So all of those should be on the leader's agenda. So the leaders 
the person who works with the leader should drive the agenda of the leader. And I've been doing this for the uh, all my career. Uh, maybe we had some issues, we had some uh, not very bright situations, but in all, overall, this what 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 we did. And uh, what I had to do, I had to uh, work on data management, uh, strategy, performance management, and PMO. What is PMO Performance Management Office? So during my career, I established the Performance Management Office or the Project uh, Management Office because the leader has to be informed about everything that is going on. And this is what I used to do in uh, all my life. Uh, by doing so, and uh, you will have lots of, uh, you will not be the favorite person in the organization because you will be reporting on everything, on every action, on every move. So no time for people to say that this is done and this is done okay and this is great and we are doing good So because you will be asking them every week or every month depending on the project that's going on and how things are going. So they cannot repeat the same question again, unless you're not, uh, you're not recalling what they say. So uh, I worked also on efficiencies, uh, efficiency studies uh, in finance, like uh, with the PPP projects, public-private partnerships, reducing costs, and uh, improving the quality, worked on many things like uh, quality control, uh, business processes. And the, the, the trend now is to, uh, is to transform the, the, the service into an experience. Got it. Mm -hmm. So we need to have the customer relation management and we need to have the services as experience. So you don't need to be in the place of the organization or the government. You need to be in the place, in the shoes of the uh, people who are coming to the uh, entity and asking them. So they, in the back subconscious, they think that you are the same person, that this building, whoever in this building, they know them. So it's like a TV. They think that you know them. So that's why we need we, we worked a lot on transforming services into experiences. Uh, I worked on international events, like uh, because my latest work was at the parliament. I was advisor to the to the uh, speaker, and uh, I managed uh, some international conferences with the international parliamentary union, with the uh, uh, yeah, in coordination with the UN sometimes, and bringing people together. And then you will see how the priorities of leaders uh, change from one country to the other. So some countries, their, their, their target is way below the other countries and vice versa. So uh, when putting everyone together, then the challenge is to find the main challenge for all these people. Uh, and uh, I worked also on, uh, before that, I, I, I worked on education, uh, like education district. We used to manage all the education system for Abu Dhabi. And during this job, I had a lot of uh, expertise by working with the big four, with the consultancy firms, with the, uh, with 
the um, who, who manages for us projects and uh, we focus on how to manage them how to get from them what we need so their target is to give us the product plus a little bit they wanted to sell something or they want to uh, give us a pitch and we had to do a great partnership by doing the win-win so we get what we want the government get what 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 they want and the people get premium service so to 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 balance so everything in leadership was about balancing balancing and then when working with the government you need to balance between private sector semi government and government so to have partnership with the 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 private sector in order to achieve your business and you need to think broader than for example the cost or broader than the service that they will be doing you need to think about the goodwill you need to think about how many people they are employing you need to give it lots of thoughts so it's not only what we see there are always some things that are hidden or uh, there are some other factors to consider like it's not only white or black hey sir yes, Eric. hey so so thank you for that rundown. So, so 21 years in, in various industries and different levels of uh, experience that you've, you've had. Um, and then you get all the way to the top of advising um, not only, you know, the secretary, the chancellor, but um, helping influence things um, that are going to happen in, in, in you know, more public. Um, and then how do you support the private sector, et cetera. Um, so, so you take all of that all of that experience and we, we are today where we're at um, in this pandemic, kind of how you, um, you mentioned it up front, right? Cause we would never find our, we never thought we'd find ourselves in this space today. And you drafted an article talking about the world will not be the same after COVID-19. And I think we can all agree to that. I think that we're still trying to find what our new normal is going to be, but your real focus was, um, is that one, we weren't ready for it. Um, two, we're still not uh, fully invested or truly um, open to the idea of what it's going to be when we come out of COVID-19. Um, and really, uh, a couple points in your paper, you talk about how we need to shift our mentality to knowing that we don't have to be in a workplace, that we are in this new normal of video teleconferencing like we're doing now. Um, and then coming out of it, you know, what new emerging technology, what new emerging markets, et cetera, are going to be out there. So can we talk a little bit about um, your your article and, you know, why did you write that? What was your thought behind it and what do you see us going in the future? And we can unpack that um, as we have the conversation, but uh, I'll turn it over to you. Sure, thank you. Thank you for reading this article. I thought no one would read it <laughs> because if- because everybody is is writing now about COVID, so it's true that we're 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 laughing or we're smiling, but it, from inside, it it really hurts to see like so many people dying and so many people without jobs, and the it is catastrophic. And every time I ask myself, why why did we have to experience this? Not the people we have before us or after us. But yes, we, we, we were not ready. Or in other words, we were carried away by social pressure, by uh, 
by uh, the run to be better. Like everybody wanted to be better, we're, we're running for opportunities. We're running to live in the uh, in the urban areas to get better jobs, better lifestyle. Everything is get was was running to get something better, and this is the nature of the human. And being someone who worked in education for nearly 19 years, I was never convinced why. Why do we need to put? Who, who said 14 years first? I, I don't know yet. I, I, after 19 years, I don't know who said, like, a person needs 14 years to finish high school. Why, why this number? Uh, and uh, if a person can finish that, and we know, like, somebody can do it in 12 years, 13 years, and some people need only, like, one or two extra years. So, but the system put them in a way, if you don't finish, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. If you finish, you're good. And sometimes you get bored and then you, you become a loser. If you, if you finish in 11 years, like your brain capacity, you, you, you get things very fast and very quickly, then you will be bored at the university and it might fire back. So, and then I was like, everybody, especially in some areas where access to higher education is not very, is not, uh, very accessible, the high quality of higher education, then you see that you're spending maybe 30 or 40% of your salary and your time uh, thinking about where to send your school to college, uh, your kids to college. And kids will be just thinking how many, uh, how, many, uh, they, how, how many years they need to finish, what do they need to work, uh, and so on and so forth. Then when you look at the numbers, you find out that uh, nearly the cost of of, of higher educa- of, of education is nearly ten thousand US dollars according to OECD average, little bit below that, and we have around one point five billion students, so around fourteen to fifteen trillion dollars on education. And what do we say when you look at the pie chart of a school of a, or a system? You will find the buildings, the security, the transportation, the uh, the uh, uniform uh, the, 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 so it's not only teachers so there are lots of overhead costs and then look at it from the other side when it is everybody has to go uh, wake up at the same time go to school at the same time so what happens to the infrastructure in the country you need to double the infrastructure and you need to double the infrastructure also because you are pushing people to go to the offices when they have nothing to do at the office they can do their job online. They can do their job in their uh, rural areas. They don't need to travel like miles or thousands of kilometers. They, they can do it online. They can, uh, some jobs, they still need to go to the, to the office or to the place or to the location. So same for the education. Maybe, maybe a new education system will, will, uh, will, will come up when a student will not be registered in one university. A student can graduate from maybe four to five universities at the same time. So they can take uh, what the curriculum online, do internship here, internship there. But the cost must be much less. It has to. It has to be lowered. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Um, that's a good point because I know uh, we're having those conversations now where we're looking at. Um, COVID forced us to now shelter in place. Uh, and it forced, yeah. it forced us to look at our infrastructure, our IT infrastructure, to make sure that we had 
enough capacity of redundancy, et cetera, uh, to ensure that people um, could now all telework from home and our network could put we have enough uh, capacity for the strain. Um, it also forced us to look at we have a huge footprint of buildings and um, security infrastructure. You know, people are on the road every day for hours to go into an office. Uh, the, the trains systems that we have in place, the buses, the you just you name it. People are doing it to get to work. Um, now we're we're seeing that now that everyone's at home for weeks, that we can work from home. We can have yeah. the same type of throughput. And I will tell you, me personally, when I sit here, I might work four to five extra hours um, at home. Right. Where I wouldn't have done that if I had to go in the office because I'm spending most of that time commuting um, or it's the distractions of people coming to your office. The water cooler talk when you're in the kitchen by the coffee machine, et cetera. You don't have those distractions and your throughput is a lot higher. And I will tell you, I feel, too, is that um, I've done online education. Um, it works um, now. Yes. It, it does work. I mean, you do the reading, you have the chat rooms, you have the Zoom um, capability, and you have other um, uh, online tools that you can connect with other individuals to, to work through problems and through the curriculum. So I agree with you. I think that coming out of this, we need to re really relook our education system and the way that we do business, period, um, because we can do it online without having that face-to-face -face and having so much infrastructure to support the commute. Um, and folks being at a desk um, so that, you know, it saves on electricity and desks and um, yes, having toilet. A, absolutely all of it. Right. So I know that I know it's it might be going against the norm, but I think that this should force us to look at new ways of doing things. And and I'm uh, and not to not to cut you off with I do want to get back to your thoughts as well. But I know uh, Stephen had mentioned in our I think not our last podcast, we had a conversation afterwards. And we were talking about the big stores, retail stores and things that we have out there that, you know, like the Walmarts, the Targets and Costco's, et cetera, where they're just they might just become a distribution center where it's just a warehouse of stuff. You pull up, you know, you get online, you order your stuff, you pull up, they'll throw it in your car and you, and you go. You never have to go into a store again. Um, and then, you know, all that overhead cost is gone where really it could be just automation right technology servicing our needs um but yeah i'll pause there because i do want to continue with your with your thought process but i just want to interject and and yes i i i, I totally agree with you like uh, like uh, also on top of this was what 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 blew off my mind was the cost of of business trips i never expected that the cost of business trips in 2018 was nearly 700 billion dollars 700 billion like it's crazy and what uh, what what uh, what drove me to write this article was like i saw a, a picture on instagram for a very big company here and what they are saying like we signed an agreement for five billion dollars online so i was just imagining the crew and the staff and how many private jets would go all the way to where they are signing, I think it would cost them minimum 
a couple of hundreds uh, of thousands, if not a million dollars, just to do the, the, the MOU signature. So, and they were bragging about it, that they, they did it online. But you were able to do it online like three years ago or 10 years ago. Why, why only now you're bragging about it and you're happy that you did it online? Man, it, it was so weird, you know? So uh, starting with this and all the cost of infrastructure and the pollution and the sustainable development goals of the United Nations regarding urbanization, that now 30 or to 50% of the world population are living in urban areas. And they can, and there is scarcity in water resources and infrastructure and cars. And if you look at only car accidents, there are 3,600 deaths per day, per day, every day due to car accidents, uh, either going to work or coming from school or going. Uh, so it, it is somewhere on on the on the roads. Uh, and then. On top of that, what would come is the social pressure. When you are living in, in uh, urbanization, creates like social pressure. So you feel that other people are, are doing better than you. You feel the social pressure to do better. You feel uh, you are uh, happy but not satisfied. So it, it creates confusion in the mind of many people. Uh, like what this lockdown is doing to us, I think treatment should be there to know how to sit with yourself, how to do reflections, and how to do all these uh, kind of things. But this, this pandemic, we didn't need a pandemic to know that we can do things better. We didn't need pandemic to know that we need to give access to education instead of giving ticket to students to go to schools. So there is a big difference between access to education. Everybody on earth, everybody alive who can breathe should have access to education. Like, not like, yeah, no, you cannot afford it. It's not about affordability. Access should be there. It's a matter of uh, online access. They should, it should be granted. It should be approved. It should be attested. We shouldn't wait for a pandemic to do things better. We shouldn't wait for pandemic to do our business better. And all these trillions, I didn't imagine that the cost of education is $15 trillion, 15 trillion. So per capita is $2,000 per capita on every person. So a household of five people is like $10,000. This is a huge number. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the when you look at the student loans, you you, you see that in the U.S. alone, 1.5 trillion are, uh, dollars uh, st student loans. Why why all these numbers? Why the whole ecosystem is 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 around this these figures? But and now when people coming back from the universities, you see that they are sitting at home in their bedroom in uh, Beirut or in. Uh, Jamaica and they are they are uh, accessing their Harvard course online and, and 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 everybody is happy about it and the university is bragging about it more than the students. We know that there are hundred around hundred and forty million uh, teachers working there and uh, they um, some of them will have their jobs affected, but I'm very sure we can create better use of this money to create more jobs in the rural areas, to create more services, 
because we cannot have squeezed the earth in a couple of points and then create an unbalance in the uh, in the ecosystem. So, so you, uh, mentioned, you, you mentioned a critical point, though, right? So, um, and, and we and I was talking to um, uh, Valerie Myers, who we had on last episode about this um, this week, in fact. Well, we were talking about coming out of this. Um, got it. There's a pandemic. Um, we're we're starting to get lessons learned. Um, are we going to learn from it though? Because um, you know there's studies out there, and we can we can equate this to a heart attack, right? This is a heart attack that uh, the Earth may or may not suffer for, uh, you know, come back from. Um, but if yes. it but if it does, but there's studies out there that say that ninety percent ninety percent of people that have a heart attack don't change their habits, knowing that if uh. they if they ate a little bit little better, if they exercise a little more, um, they'd reduce their uh, chance of having another heart attack by another ninety percent. So ninety percent of the people that have heart have heart attacks. The study says that they don't change their habits. So, what about coming out of this pandemic? So let's equate it to a, to a heart attack. The Earth is is going through something. Um, folks identify the things that need to change. Um, now we just have to work on how do we how do we change them? Or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, actually, uh, it is like people behavior. When you will look at it, like you will have millions and millions, hundreds maybe. I don't, don't want to throw numbers, but like uh, hundreds of thousands, but I'm sure like a couple of tens of millions will lose their jobs. And then other companies, they will look at their financials. When you look at, the, at your financials, you know that you, could, you can do things for a lower cost, so you will do it at a lower cost. And we all know that using this uh, online thing, it, is, uh, it will reduce the cost. Mm -hmm. And uh, also parents and the students will not be convinced to pay the same amount of money for the service that they were taking uh, for free or uh, they were taking, uh, paying less money. So uh, uh, behavior, in my opinion, already changed. Like companies, reduced salaries and things were were fine people did not leave uh, but uh, eric there is another thing that i was thinking of like who said the salaries who said uh, that who said that uh, Tarek earns more money than the uh, than, than the uh, nurse mm -hmm. and who said the nurse earns less than money than the doctor so this whole system like uh, which was also uh, invented or created uh, after the uh, industrial revolution so we have now careers but those careers i think it's time to review and revisit them so who who gave the price tags that's an amazing point because now we're starting to see who's really important yes isn't it and yeah. and, and and when you look back at, at the companies you see the top player are sitting at home like uh, level two and level three sitting at home and no one is getting affected. <laughs> so now the delivery, I respect the delivery guy. When, when I see a motorcycle coming for, to deliver something, I respect them. I gave them like, hi, hi man, you're, you're the one who, who, who is keeping us alive. Yeah. So, so these price tags needs to be re revised. Like you, now you will discover like, uh, some people in some in the organizations who are pay who are getting paid very high premium 
are not useful. Why, why do you need them? But we are not here to, to attack what I'm saying. I'm saying that there would be a revision on price tag or, or, or pay scale distribution or org structure. Well, I think, it's, then, I think it's the value that we place on certain positions, right? Yes. And functions yes. and, and the criticality of that where we thought that, and, and I will tell you, you know, there was many times where I would walk through a grocery store and I wouldn't think twice about the person that was scanning my, my groceries. <laughs> now I love Ooh. them. I love them. They're keeping me alive, you know, or the guy, the DHL guy that he, he would come every day, you know, and I hate to say it. I didn't know that until I stayed home that my wife would order packages. But the yes. but but every day the doorbell rings and here's this guy. He's extremely happy. His name is uh, uh, Holtzhorzer is his last name because I asked him what his name was and we actually gave him a gift card, you know, um, you know, so that yeah. way he, he can buy himself something special as well and have somebody deliver it to him. But those those people that you know the the trash people the the people that are they're cleaning our sidewalks and streets and um, the people that are scanning my groceries or the ones that are cleaning my carts now as I walk in the store those people yeah. have significant value whereas when I look at someone sitting in a C suite position where I'm starting to think like okay you're getting rich yeah. off the backs of these people who truly have the value for your company and. Um, and I just wanted to share as well with you is that I was on a um, call with 100 people the other day where it was an international conference talk uh, with uh, Davos talking about um, this pandemic in different areas and sectors and things that we need to focus on. And it was really interesting to me that they were really thinking about all of the speakers. There's about five or six speakers that spoke, talked about looking external to your business, thinking about the clients and how do we meet their needs but no one ever mentioned the fact that you have to look internally to see where your value yes. is. And, and that's yes. kind of what this podcast talks about. It's talking about that leadership. I understand mission and I understand um, delivering a purpose in a marketing scheme and living through your purpose. But your purpose should also be to serve those people that are scanning those groceries and are delivering those boxes yeah. and those packages. So yeah, I think that's yes. what you were getting to as well, is that we need to really relook the value within an organization and those critical functions. Yeah, and 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 actually, Eric, you, uh, I will just tell you what what I'm working on the next article, where you know who was under stress for the past maybe five to seven years. Those people, those people, they were under stress. Why? Because every conference at the Global Economic Forum at the Davos at Everywhere you go, everyone was talking about artificial intelligence and robotics. Yep. And please tell me where they are. So where they are, I still go to the to the grocery store and see that that guy is he, he is now in the middle of the pandemic, uh, taking my temperature, seeing if I'm okay, giving me this hand sanitizer. So if the robots now are not doing this, when they will do it? Why do we need them? Why they were not? Why they are not saving us now? And these people had to live in a stress for the for for the past ten years. And everyone was telling them, "You will be replaced by a robot. You will be replaced by a robot." So where's the robot now? Where's the robot? Where are all these investments? Yeah, I think. Where's uh, the AI? Yeah, I think automation, I, the, the or the thought of yeah. machine learning and AI and the automation of things and and, and to your point, it's putting added. Uh, unneeded stress onto the workforce yeah. that was out there. And I think that we need to pause, especially in this moment, as we sit in this pandemic, pause for a second 
and realize that a robot's not going to have that human touch to things, right? To really care for the next person. They're going to run some risk calculus because of some algorithm and we're not going to get any services. They're not going to want to scan groceries yes. right? because the risk is yeah. too high. Where, yeah. where you have that individual that, you know, has those values and those beliefs and no matter what that is, they're willing to sit there and service the human man, right? Because they have the compassion and they have that drive and energy to do it for us. But yeah, to your point, I mean, um, we have conferences and I've been to them and I've sat in them and I just sat in one the other day um, where I think folks need to take a step back and reflect and say, hey, this isn't that important because I don't think we're going to get there or there might be another use for it. Right. And it's not to get rid of people's jobs. So, yeah, I'll pause there for a second because I yes, do. Yes, exactly. I, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yes. And and uh, like, where are they in those labs? Why they where, where, where is I need to know where is AI? Where, where is AI? If like we had like uh, hundreds of thousands are dying and we reached one point five billion uh, million uh, cases. So where are those labs? Where, where, where are those labs? And how this uh, COVID, how this virus got a national identity and went has a passport and then traveled in, in a plane and landed in uh, other people's lungs. And where, where are all these defense and security and uh, intelligence and layers and layers and layers? If you go to the airport, you cannot go. And the virus was like free to go and come at every border. So and 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 what what drove me crazy? Like all these scanners didn't have uh, a thermometer. Like they they couldn't take the temperature. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> that was funny. Funny. I was sad at the same. Man, uh, these things. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But but many glitches appeared in the world after this pandemic. So we we I'm I'm so sad that the all of this happened with all these budgets spent on on uh, defense education on uh, on all jobs and on urbanization on infrastructure and then you find that a scanner in in any airport does not have a, a place to check the temperature of the passengers just just like that and if you are from a third world country and you want to get a visa you'll spend your life waiting <laughs> in the queue <laughs> and this covid was uh, got a visa to fly anywhere anytime without any border checkup and going in all planes without an open ticket on business class so this is this is so weird you know so yeah. uh, we need we need we need to uh, revise all of that yeah. it, it doesn't make sense my 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 mind doesn't work like this yeah it's just interesting cuz my wife says like every other day she's like you know no matter if you have a billion dollars or 1 dollar um it doesn't matter you're, yes. you're you're not immune to this so i hope that when we come out of this that whether you have a billion dollars or you have a dollar right that we can all take a step back and say what do we really need to focus on and i think I think part of it to me and what I've learned through all of this is to look at individuals, looking at people and not putting a value on them because of a title, not putting, you know, my perceived value on someone because of the function that they perform. But just looking at people equally um, and, and knowing that they can do amazing things, because 
Um, something as simple as we were saying earlier is, is scanning um, a can of tomato sauce today or some flour or something that is to me yeah. more critical today than the person that makes an iPod um, or I mean an iPhone. I just told my age an iPod. Right. But, you know, just, <laughs> you know, or, or a car maker or something materialistic that we thought had significant value or status like a Louis Vuitton bag. I don't need a Louis Vuitton bag. That's not going to keep me alive today. But what's going to keep yeah. me alive is that person that can get uh, nutrition into my household to keep us uh, to keep us going. Um, so yeah, so we're getting to to our time here. Um, so I didn't want to. I don't want to go over and it kicks us off. But um, yeah, if if you'd be willing, I'd love to have you back on um, so that we can you know maybe deep dive this in a couple more weeks and see how things start to shake out. Um, yes, and, and maybe talk about the the the, the other part because I'm collecting information on uh, this uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, Internet of Things, and I'm gonna get to uh, how many uh, what what the budget that we spent just to see those robots at the at the uh, at the uh, opening ceremony of those events, saying hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> and and this is very annoying for me, man. It's very annoying. Yeah. And 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 that's just pretending that this will rule the world, and uh, you know, and those algorithms. So this will be glad, uh, Eric, and thank you for uh, hosting me. Uh, it was really nice seeing you and talking to you and, and having this uh, conversation. Yeah, but before we do cut off, you know, we got about five minutes. What I did want to say, uh, I wanted you to talk about. So you're starting a business. Um, so yes. So I want. I really wanted to just talk about that. What are some of the leadership challenges you foresee in the maybe the first year, and then um, and then we'll close this out. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your business. Yes, what what uh, I'm uh, when when I look uh, at myself about my experience, I have experience in like strategy formulation, transformation, uh, changing behavior, performance, uh, and make things happen. So what 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 I what I'm really good at is how to make things happen. And uh, this has to be uh, this has to be uh, accompanied or coupled with uh, HR, org chart, organization improvement, efficiencies, end-to-end -end experiences. Uh, so the whole package, you know. Uh, so this is what I'm uh, really focusing on now. And uh, my company is called ExpertsHouse.net. And it will be like something open platform. So if anyone want to contribute and uh, be part of it, I'm open. Because what I learned in, uh, in those one year that is critical. And greed is also a killer. So ah, this is nice. Partnership is a critical, but the greed is a killer. So what 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 we need? I don't want to make a billionaire out of this company, but we need to make a good platform, good platform where you can give a good service and you have good people working and delivering, because you have many expertise out there, uh, and this can be also because we talked about the job families or pay scales. So I don't know if jobs will ever exist again or it will be job functions. Mm -hmm. So people can, for example, sell IT solutions, but work for Microsoft and IBM at the same time. Uh, so I don't know when this will happen. So uh, th this was the idea of the company. It's like by job function, 
So we deliver a service, we transform a service into experience. Uh, everyone is after a nice experience. No one wants a service. Even when, when this delivery man that comes to your doorstep, you, what you talked about is experience. Mm -hmm. We did not talk about the service. So the service is getting there, but the way you talk and you expressed it is, was a service. Uh, I mean, an experience, how the man, what you want him to do with the gift card. So now it's another uh, phase where we transform uh, services into experiences. So this is what, what I will be focusing on in my company. But you know that uh, startup and leadership will face, I, what the, that I will face, it will be like the, the uh, uh, profile of the company. Because mm -hmm. like, it's not a one-man show. That's why I'm uh, inviting other colleagues uh, to, to be part as advisors or partners or whatever, because this will strengthen uh, the, the, the profile and will help the company uh, do build more business. And the more international uh, it is, the more sound it is. And uh, according to my experience, I worked with the big four, with boutique firms, with the individual consultants, and I know how, what uh, the customer wants because I was on the customer side mostly all my life. And hopefully things will uh, kick out uh, and uh, the company name is expertshouse.net if you want to visit that yep. or your uh, friends. So, uh, and I'll be glad to do uh, or work on something uh, with you or other uh, attendees. That would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So you can count me in. So uh, expertshouse.net. Yeah. So uh, thank you for your time, Tadik. Um, and uh, enjoy Abu Dhabi with the extremely hot weather. Um, and I will post your... Um, warm, warm and cozy. Yeah, I love it. Please. I was outside. It was 77 degrees and I'm sweating already. So... Um, <laughs> No, so what we'll do is uh, I, I am going to post uh, what you uh, put together on our website. So leadershipistricky.com. Nice. Um, and we'll get this out to the masses. I think I'll even post a video because I've been recording on Zoom here. So um, so if it's your first time listening to Leadership is Tricky, thank you for coming and being a part of the journey with us. If, you've, if you're you. a repeat uh, listener, uh, thank you again. So you can find uh, Leadership is Tricky on all of the uh, podcast uh, uh, uh platforms out there such as apple podcast spotify stitcher um cast box etc um or you can uh, get to us uh, directly on leadership is tricky so Tadek, um nice. yep, my brother Thank for you. another mother um enjoy abu dhabi um and i will talk to you soon see you happy easter <laughs>